On this week's Big Tech Show, when you travel, how do you avoid getting completely ripped off on roaming charges outside of Europe? And what are some of the travel hacks you should know about that aren't included in the tech you buy? We give you all the tips you need to know. On top of my list, Adrian, is my noise-cancelling headphones. When I put them on, I love that it just goes boom, and you're in this kind of sonic bubble and you can't hear the baby and you can't hear that weird frequency of the aircon on the airplane. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. This is an Irish independent podcast. The level of conditioning and the fitness of these guys in for the first week in the league in January is just phenomenal. It just shows you where things have got to now and right across the board, you know, but especially in the Division 1 teams, like there's not a, not an ounce on these guys coming out of Christmas and the, the pace that they're, they're able to play at this level is, is phenomenal. It just shows you any team that's not anywhere near that level, they're just having a mission and you're really seeing that in Castlebar with those two teams really, really going at it. I think Liam Cal going into tip really will need to get a bounce early. They faded badly in the Munster League final against Cork when they looked to be in total control. He will definitely be looking for a little bit of energy in, in that group. And, and, and you know, the way you get energy, Will, is winning games. And I, and I think that's what makes this league interesting. Who knows who will be there in the league final. But definitely there will be five new managers in there looking to get an early bounce. The National League returned with a bang over the weekend. And that means that the Throwing Podcast is back for another year to discuss all the major GA talking points and controversies every Monday morning. Will Slattery here with you and on our first episode of the new season. We will be joined in just a moment by Dick Clerken to reflect on the opening round of football action. And then in part two, Vincent Hogan will be with us to look ahead to the start of the Hurling League next weekend. But for now, I'm delighted to be joined by Michael Verney for another year. Michael, are you excited for the Intercounty League to kick off? Yeah, good to be back, Will. And uh, we did great. Uh, we had a great start to it over the weekend between the the Dubs in Kildare in Crow Park on on Saturday evening, and uh, you know, I kind of it was a brilliant finale to that. And then obviously all the excitement with the finale up in up in Castlebar as well. It uh, it kicked off with the bang that you would have wanted it to. I'll put it to you that way. And I believe everyone, there was always 15 men in the field at all times. I don't think we've seen any screenshots shared or any kind of uh, films being broken down just yet. No, I think um, I think uh, fourth officials and referees and linesmen and women are going to be very, very careful to make sure the players are off before they come on. Um, the league is kicking has kicked off, as you say, and um, that Glenn and Kilmacook Crokes thing might never, uh, might, that might never go away. God only knows how long that might drag on. Um, I don't envisage a replay, Will. I just don't see it happening from all uh, all senses that I'm getting from the Kilmacook Crokes side that uh, they'd nearly prefer to give up the trophy rather than, than play a replay. So it's going to be fascinating. I think the CCCC are meeting tonight so and meeting with both clubs, so it's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out as well. Yeah, we might have a resolution by the end of the league if we're lucky. Uh, we might, could, could, could replay could be a doubleheader uh, potentially with the final. But uh, yeah, as you say, a very uh, controversial and, and intriguing situation. But now we're going to look back on round one of the Football League. Dick Clerken here with us. And Dick... You know, it really did kick off with a bang. As Michael said, we had great games right across the four divisions. But to be fair to Division One and, and the heavy hitters, you know, they really delivered. We had Mayo Galway playing out a fantastic game on Saturday night. Ross Common upsetting Tyrone. Donegal edging Kerry. There was so much to enjoy. What for you was the standout fixture of the weekend? 
Uh, listen, well, I obviously with me monitoring short on this morning. I was looking at your own. Um, I suppose we're a bit apprehensive here at the minute, knowing that we're a bit short stacked and and there's a bit of a change to guard. Everyone really wants Vinny to do well, but yet he's been dealt a tough hand. So I was keen to see how the boys have performed. But I'll come back to that in a minute. We sort of knew it wasn't going to be maybe the the, the standout game in terms of how both teams played, and that certainly was the case. It was a tough enough watch at times, and I suppose the game of the weekend for me, obviously, then, was the the, the Galway-Mayo, and, and a lot of that was to do in the contrast in terms of, like, I just sort of struggled through the Mont and Armagh game, and then you, you flick to Castlebar, and it it was just a real proper game. You know, it was really something that you could have been watching in, in July and August in terms of the intensity, the fitness... The, the the goal to win attitude from both teams, you know, you know, you know, playing contact high up the pitch, keeping players up the field. Yeah, there's plenty of lateral play, but but in the round, you both teams really just looked like a wee step ahead of of, of say the Monaghan Army game and, and a great end, obviously added to it. But your great scores, great contest, great crowd, like for the first game back, like oh, that was the one thing that it just shows you the change and from when I played. The level of conditioning and the fitness of these guys in for the first week in the league in January is just phenomenal. It just shows you where things have got to now, and right across the board, you know. But especially in the Division One teams, like there's not a not an ounce on these guys coming out of Christmas, and that the pace that they're, they're able to play at this late level is is phenomenal. It just shows you any team that's not anywhere near that level. They're just having a mission, and you're really seeing that in Castlebar with those two teams really, really going at it. Yeah, Michael, like old rivals, but I suppose people were intrigued to see maybe a new Mayo. There was no one from the 2012-13 Horan era starting for you know the first time, I presume, since those guys all broke through. Kevin McStay and his management team in place. Like, Did you see anything that interested you from that perspective of, of them coming in and, and trying to implement anything new or even the makeup of the team in terms of selection? Yeah, I don't know if we were expecting to see like a, you know the, the big thing was are we going to see like a, a new kind of kicking game or are we going to see Mayo playing a completely different style? I don't think we really saw that, and I don't think uh, Kevin McStay and the lads are going to reinvent the wheel too much. But the faces were definitely new. You had Aidan O'Shea coming off the bench, you had Killian O'Connor coming off the bench, Kevin McLaughlin as well. Killian O'Connor kicked a great point. Um, maybe that's a sign of kind of things to come. McStay is in, in there for three years. You know, will all those players still be there at the end of that three years? I'm not so sure. So he has to kind of build a new team of the new faces. We saw uh, probably Colin Reap had a decent game in goals. Probably maybe should have came out and maybe tried to take the ball away from Matthew Tierney that time when they created a, a really good kind of mismatch with Matthew Tierney on, on Aidan Arm, a, a centre forward marking a, a corner forward under a high ball, which is not something you'd usually see, especially in around the square. I uh, thought Jack Hine was decent. Bob Tui up front on his debut for Mayo was good as well. James Carr scored one of the goals of the season, despite the fact that we haven't hit the end of January. He did it a couple of years ago against Galway in a qualifier as well. Like you just usually just don't see that that type of thing this time of the year. Conditions don't usually allow for that. Usually lads would take a more a safer option. That was a belter of a goal. He's a face that we saw quite a bit of under James Horn, but he was kind of maybe in and out. Um I just even see Kevin McStay's enthusiasm after and maybe not he's not being naive. I think he's just being honest after, like how delighted he was to get a result. Um even to see the the drone footage in McHale Park, to see the crowd that was there and to see the appetite that's there. You know, it was the same uh in Monaghan Dick and it was the same even in Crow Park on Saturday. There was probably more people there than I would have thought as well. Um there's a great appetite and enthusiasm there for action. 
from my own point of view. Did the lads reinvent the wheel? No, uh, but there's a lot of new faces and those kind of style and tactical changes are probably things that we're going to see over the coming weeks when they really get to maybe work more of them on the pitch and play more games and maybe experiment in new type of ways. But that was like that was that game on Saturday evening was, was some way to kickstart the league. Dick, for Kevin McStay, like, what do you think his kind of goal is? Is is he coming in as a you know rebuilding job? Is it a transition, or is he coming in saying I'm winning and I'll add him with this team, or I'm gonna you know that's the goal, like you know. Where where is this Mayo team at in that regard? You think? Ah, uh, yeah, it has to be like, and and you never hear that because just in the, the modern day way managers and players communicate is all very guarded. But like, if 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 he's not subliminally dropping these things in here, or even of consciously talking to the guys about, listen, this is where we you know need 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 to keep going for you know that that whole concept of belief, you know, and, and I sort of looked at this and trying to learn a wee bit about it over the years and what maybe. We, modern teams that I played on, why did you not get to the levels that the Thrones and the Donegals and the ones beside you were able to, even though for all intents purposes you were, you were the same team or as good as by other well, the benchmarks? It's that thing of belief. And and he has to get those guys to believe that they're good enough to win in All-Ireland. And they're as good as... So, so I have to believe that. And then everything they do then in training and in games has to be at that standard. So if, if he's not doing that... I'd be very surprised because like, why else is he going there? He's like nobody in Mayo, nobody is going to give them a, a safe pass if they just compete in Connacht and get to a semi final. So they've been doing that for the last twenty years. That's not not progress from a Mayo point of view, and especially when you look really at at, at the field, like we'll, we'll come to Kerry and Donegal. Like, like Kerry's ahead of the field, but it's at this stage it's down to one player. Literally, it's, it's they're not necessarily a one man team, but but what sets them above all the other teams is David Clifford, and Throne arguably only won in All Ireland because they, they eventually beat Kerry when Clifford went off the pitch. He is that good, and he's that. But you can sort of see that in any given day, any given match, that advantage can go for for, for a variety of reasons. So. There's absolutely no reason Mayo shouldn't be believing that they can win in All Ireland because every, Dublin has come back and there's a sort of more level playing field. So if he can bring them on at ten percent from where they're at in terms of bringing in new players, looking at how he deploys the likes of Aidan O'Shea, Killian O'Connor, playing them at the right time in the right places, all those incremental things, I still think there is there. He just needs all like any good, like any team. Um, he needs all his good players fit and ready come championship time, which they didn't have last year. So that'll be his priority, getting getting these guys back from injury and they're on an upper traje- trajectory. You're not putting them in too fast, they could set them back, but equally getting the older heads, get their heads right for the roles that they're going to play for the year ahead and that you're not coming to a, 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 an All-Ireland semi-final or a quarter-final and this big debate, where is he? And all this nonsense that you've been listening to that is already embedded in, he's an impact player. This is the role he's going to play, and the team know that when he's coming onto the pitch. I think, from a male point of view, they are the key things that that McStay needs to work on. That he's sort of he's he's match ready come quarter final, semi final time, which they should be in. Yeah, they're certainly one of the interesting teams to watch over the coming weeks. And as Michael mentioned that interview, I really like to see a manager enjoying himself. Like it must, like surely there's a lot of fun to be had being on the line in a big match like that. And, and you know, your first time managing your county after how many years you've, you've wanted to do it. I, I really enjoyed it. Michael, from a Galway perspective, you know, they had, I think, 11 starters from the Ireland final team. So, you know, reasonably close to what they fielded against Kerry. You know, game management questions have been raised in the past. Obviously, that you know, wayward clearance at the end was one that Padraig Joyce would probably be 
very annoyed about. But what did you make of their performance overall? And as they enter into a new year, with it, with it more a kind of expectation and maybe a bit of a burden after getting to that final. Just that play at the end is literally if if the ball had been held onto for probably three to five seconds, I'd say Joe McQuillan was waiting to blow. But once he kicked it and it went straight to Ryan O'Donoghue, he just you know you allowed the play to develop. So even if that's a, a matter of trying to make a few like uh, dangerous hand passes in the corner to hold on to the ball. That would have been literally them seeing out the game. So Parik Jace would definitely be disappointed from that point of view. Uh, again, Dick kind of talks about how important Clifford is to uh, to Kerry, I suppose, to to perform quite well the other night without Shane Walsh, their key man, and obviously the best player on the field in the All-Ireland final last year. We don't know when we'll probably see him again. I'd imagine he'd probably get an extended break. Um, but they had 11 of the, the 15 starters, as you said, from the All-Ireland final last year. Even someone like, like Sean Kelly going forward. It just shows, again, like he's fast becoming like one of the best players in the country, I would say. Definitely one of the best defenders in the country. And to be to have a you know players that are capable of doing that and can come from the, the last line of defence and, and kind of turn the game up the other end is hugely encouraging. Comer was good. I'd say there was a lot of guys that were you know, hitting a 7 out of 10, but maybe not scaling the heights of last year. And I suppose the challenge for Park Jace this year is they maybe came from the cold last year when there was little expectation on them. Now, you know, Ian Burke and All-Star is back in the fold. Uh, Peter Cook is back in the fold. Now the pressure is actually going to be on them to try and repeat what they did last year. Uh, and that's going to be the trick for Park Jace is backing up what they did before. They maybe haven't been, you know, the most consistent team in recent years and from Joyce's point of view it's just developing that consistency and one of those facets is is going to be closing out games when they're in a winning position maybe something that they didn't do the other night but again in fairness that added into the drama of the occasion the other night and it gave me all a share of the spoils it made sure that the pitch was covered in fans at the end and um it was probably the perfect opening to the league really despite the Mikhail Park PA pleading with the crowd to stay off the pitch at the end but I don't think that was ever going to be adhered to and even Killian McDade you know hauling down Aidan O'Shea 80 metres from the go I go with 10 minutes to go and getting a black card you know spoke into that you know that game management piece but yeah as, as you said Michael a great way to, to start the league Dick you, you mentioned Kerry there I think everyone was fascinated to see how they go against Donegal, missing Clifford and obviously missing his brother Paddy, Sean O'Shea, and a number of other key men. And for the first twenty-five minutes or so, they were they were really motoring. I know Donegal gave away some possession that led to a couple of scores, but they looked like they could weather this storm. But then things turned around. Like, how, how what was your kind of assessment of how that game unfolded? Listen, we, we've seen this from Kerry before, different years, like going away, like Shamanan. We have a great record against Kerry in the league. You, you know, even in Kerry. It's not unusual for, for Kerry to give up a, a league game against the head and you wouldn't think so. It's just sometimes maybe just don't fancy it the big long drive up the road. And it's not it's not easy like for any team. Like they're going from, from one end of the country to the other in a dirty, windy, you know, hostile uh, Donegal home ground. It's not an easy place to play, especially with that bit of a travel and then down so many players. So I think I'd give Kerry a pass in terms of the result. Like if, if they had a grinded out, which front end probably they could have at one point win, they'd have been delighted to have that going down the road, considering the players that they're missing and have to go and, and how much literally statistically they add to their team. Um, so I think really the story was about Donegal because again, new manager post Michael Murphy, they've been sort of flattered to deceive for let's be honest, the last three or four seasons and, and for many people haven't achieved what they could have done. 
so they were wondering is, is this team just going to sort of fall away whereas actually no this is a real shot in the arm for them now and no more so personified in that last point and I just watched it a few times this morning like for me Paddy McBriarty like he, he burst onto the scene 10 years ago he, he, he was as big and as strong as he is was then as he is now and you felt well this guy can only go on and just sort of dominate it and he in all honesty, he hasn't done that. And for a lot of Donegal people, it, it's been a, probably a disappointment that on days when maybe Murphy or other guys were injured, he, he hasn't stepped up in those clutch games. So for him to do it and for him to take on that sort of leadership, he's got the captaincy this year, that's a massive thing for Donegal. If he can sort of step up now for and, and step into the breach that, that, that Murphy's left in terms of leadership and scores on the board. So I think that result was all about Donegal, that they were actually able to find a way to win. And Kerry will get better. Like, like, let's be honest with you, Kerry will get better. They'll comfortably stay in Division 1 and maybe compete for a league. And we'll be talking about them later in the summer. Donegal, they could go either way. So the results on Sundays definitely sets them off on the right foot, you know. Yeah, it's funny, like reading Jack O'Connor's comments before the league, it seemed like his biggest concern was tempering expectations and Kerry that uh, since some of the guys aren't playing, that maybe the fans have to cut them a little bit of slack, which they're not usually known for when, when defeats come in. Yeah, Michael, as Dick said there, like, Johnny Gall is a fascinating story this year in the post-Murphy era. Declan Bonner departing as well, Paddy Carr coming in. Could I, you know, I know it's only the first league game of the season and terrible weather against the and Kerry team, but like a big momentum lifter like that, like it does start their year off with a little bit of positivity whereas if things have gone against them you know you know the negativity seeps in pretty early and it might be hard to get that back on side yeah I know Dick you wouldn't be a million miles from there but any anything I'm hearing from Donegal particularly before this league started pessimism would definitely have been the word that <laughs> sorry what is McElroy just buried the last to win it <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No matter what we talk about today, we could talk about Harry and Megan. We could talk. About, we're not going to put this off the front page, off the back pages. So we have to give a tip of tip of the hat, you know. Yeah, we can see your eyes darting to the left every every so often, like keeping an eye. Yeah, part of me wanted to watch him and Reed in a playoff. That would have been great viewing. But anyway, it was some story. You know. Anyway, go on. Sorry, Michael. That was hugely interesting. Continue. <laughs> You're all right. No, what I was just saying is. Uh, like talking to anybody locally in Donegal, pessimism was really the word that was going around. Michael Murphy retired, a uh, protracted period to get a new management team, uh, maybe not the high profile ticket that people were thinking of, maybe some you know personnel not been involved this year or not committing to the cause this year. And what I would have kind of likened it to would have been Colin Bonner in Tipperary last year, where I think he was behind the eight ball before he started and had Paddy Carr you know, lost yesterday, I think they would have been maybe behind the eight ball as well. Whereas now and they were in like they were they were in a really bad position at one stage. I think it was one six to, to three points and they'd coughed up a goal where Brendan McCall got uh, overturned and, and Darren Mining kicked it into an empty net and they looked under real pressure. I think they kicked seven in a row and McBrearty, who's the new captain but who had been, you know, really marked out of the game by Jason Foley by all accounts, came good when it really mattered and uh, sign of faith, I'd say, in Paddy Carr as well, leaving him on for those 74, 75 minutes, despite the fact that he wasn't he wasn't delivering. And it was for something like that that he was probably left on the pitch and for that bit of leadership. So it's huge. Guys are going to have to step up in Murphy's absence. There's, there's a gaping hole, an absence of leadership, you'd imagine. But sometimes, and Dick, you've probably seen it from your own playing days, a big personality leaves 
sometimes it's it's an unspoken thing that some lads just fill that breach and just step into that breach. Other times, maybe you know, lads don't see that sense of responsibility coming with them, and they don't step in. And there's a you know, there is an absence of leadership for a few years after. But definitely a huge result from a Kerry point of view. Five All Ireland starters, you know, missing you know nearly all of their big hitters, particularly from eight upwards and uh but it has to be said they only lost one game last year and that was a meaningless league game to tyrone um they've already lost one game this year they conceded five goals in the mcgrath cup and uh, more goals than they conceded in mcgrath league and championship last year so uh expectations probably have been tempered i'd say uh in Kerry, but there yeah i'm sure it's all about consolidation in the league really and going into their panel and developing more players probably particularly up top i'd see to try and take some burden off clifford even if it's towards the latter stage of a big game the only thing it does though is, is you're, you're the only thing with games like that you're looking for we sort of we nuggets of insight or something that you know Kerry need to be anxious about like if, if you compare dublin their pomp you know they were just so dominant in such depth in the panel didn't really matter that they were missing maybe three or four players that did such talent to come back in. And then when it came to championship time, even if they had a few injuries, and if you look over the course of the year, there was definitely times that key men were missing, but they were always backfilled. It never really dropped the overall standard. You know, if, if Kerry lose another couple of games or even struggle to get over Monaghan, you know, there'll be a big concern over the lack of depth in their panel. And that that, that just, it, it leaves them vulnerable then come championship that if, Clifford, or if some of the Shawnee O'Shea, these key key players, um, you know, get injured or, or miss a game, can they backfill it? Have they got that resources? And that that, that question mark might be there. So, you know, as much as he obviously be looking back and plan for all these players to come back in, he'd be liking to see some players in the on the back benches put their hands up and sort of be pushing because that's what made Dublin great. As much as the talent that they had at the front end, it was it was the guys coming behind, pushing them up, making sure that they couldn't drop the standards or they couldn't take their eye off the ball. Otherwise, their jersey would be in jeopardy. All good teams need that. You, you don't want complacency. You don't want but guys too comfortable in their jersey. So he'd be, he'd be looking for guys to sort of put their hands up. And, and, and there'd be hard words in the Kerry dressing room that they didn't do that um, and didn't close that game out. You know, that's the learning because the boys on the pitch just didn't get the job done. And that's that's a mark against them. End, end of story. And it might just be a statistical quirk, but every All-Ireland Kerry have won under Jack O'Connor, they won the league beforehand. So it has been built off kind of spring success. So if they don't win the league or if they have a poor league, it will be interesting to see if, if that makes a big impact come championship. Michael, for me, I think the game I actually enjoyed the most was the second half of Ross Common's own. I was flicking between them all yesterday and you mentioned the great atmosphere in McHale Park. Like, uh, you know, the, the atmosphere yesterday at that game as well it was brilliant in the second half. And for Tyrone, is how damaging is this defeat? Like they they had a very strong team out. It really felt like after last year's poor All Ireland defence, they were like targeting that strong start. They had a three point lead in the second half. They looked like they had gotten back in control, and all of a sudden they get hit for two goals. And Ross Common kind of pull away at the end. It was a fascinating game, I thought. Yeah, lovely. Uh, Ender Smith played a lovely ball across off his left foot to to open up the the play for Kieran Murta. Get a crucial goal, brought them back level. Um, that was like Ross Common had probably Davy Burke had probably left some of his bigger hitters on the bench. They made a big impact when they came in, but I don't think too many of us were predicting a Ross Common win here. Like Division One wins for them have been like hen's teeth in recent years, and they've been yo-yoing up and down between the two divisions and two teams that were probably maybe. 
you know, potentially tipped to go down at the start would be made in Donegal and that kind of apathy that was mentioned within the county and Roscommon based on their previous history. And they've already got wins on the board. So it's a massive start, uh, a massive start for Roscommon. From a Tyrone point of view, you wonder, um, is there a bit of a continuation of last year where they never really got up to the heights of 2021 when the Royal Ireland champions just never able to get anywhere near that they conceded three goals in the McKenna Cup final uh, last week to Derry. Conceded three again this week, which is really, really unlike them. Six goals in, in two weeks. And, um, yeah, a lot of question marks over them. A lot of question marks over them. I probably, it's part of the story is Tyrone and whether they're going to, you know, exact a bit of revenge or, you know, redeem themselves this year. And then the other part of the story, as I said, Roscommon getting a huge result on, on home soil, as you said as well, uh, in a pa- in a packed hide. And Davy Burke is on the front foot now. Uh, difficult job kind of going in there when you're going into a Division 1 team and you're expected to, you know, be going up against the game's finest. But he's off to the perfect start, you'd have to say. Yeah, and I enjoyed reading his quotes afterwards about... I didn't even see him on the sideline jing up the crowd and just how he was kind of keeping those big guys in reserve, hoping to get that kind of response. And, you know, Andrew Smith obviously came on and delivered, like, a couple of great assists. Dick, what's your kind of view on Tyrone? Like, as time goes on, it's looking more and more that that All-Ireland was kind of a complete ball from the blue. Like, do you think they can get back to that kind of level or close to it? Or are we looking at a team that kind of had a good run one year and are kind of middle of the pack now? Yeah, like I said, I'm on record or saying it before, like there was a lot of mitigating factors in the year that they won it and they won it, they were the best team in the year, but you know, the players played probably above themselves. A few things went in their favour in terms of COVID and all the rest and, and they got an all Ireland, no questions asked. Um but the reality is a lot of those players have probably dropped back to what their form and 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 the perception of them was before and since that, the likes of Keir McGeary, Mayer and these boys, they haven't just sort of maintained that standard that they showed us that year and haven't really seen anything coming in to, to bring them on, especially their, their midfielder in terms of, 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 say, the likes of Kennedy and Kilpatrick, really. And there would have been question marks, were they as good as they were? Did they just have a, have a good season? Not even just a good season, a good couple of games towards the, the home stretch and that All-Ireland win. And that's sort of coming to play out. You know, the likes of Pity Hart... You know, Matty Donnelly not getting any younger and they were pivotal players back then and have been so you know they can't be expected to to carry it so they're they're, they're still up there I'd still fancy them to stay in division one they'll, 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 they'll do enough and they're as good as probably everything else they're thereabouts they're, they're just not you know a, a team that you could put any good money on that they're going to be willing they, they could easily peter out as a quarter-final stage as well as contesting All-Ireland and be a wee bit better. They need to find something. And I'd say now they're, they're probably just a bit frustrated with themselves. Like, whatever with last year, like, I actually mentioned with the conditioning of these players, we were coming through Monaghan, they st- typically stop off in Monaghan when they're travelling uh, between eating before games and they were, they were all out in the diamond in Monaghan just, just knocking about. And I just looked and said, geez, these boys are looking fit and strong and big and athletic and you know, then I was watching the game and just didn't see that. You know, and that's really frustrating when you have a team that probably have so much in them and then they go out and play quite sort of passively and give up what was really a game-winning position. You know, three points up, very strong breeze at your back, you know, should be a better team man for man than Roscommon and then just to roll over like that. 
that's going to be a bit of a signal now for for the players and management. And it, it's it's not it goes without saying it's not the start that they wanted. But I think there's enough there. You know, you have Derek Canavan, you have the brother who'll probably pop his head up as well. Problem is with these players though, Tyrone don't play the style of football to get the best out of the small Canavans inside. You know, there's no there's all well and good having these, you know, dynamic corner forwards, get early ball, they can dink. But if you're playing slow lateral, you know, having these boys run up and down the lanes, working hard tackling, you're not getting the best out of them. So it's probably where we haven't seen the best out of Derek Canavan, who we all know and see glimpses of being a phenomenal talent and Rory's better again. But if 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 a team doesn't play to a player's strengths, you're not going to see that. So so it'll be interesting to see do Tyrone try and play and say, right, we've got assets inside here that can do damage, but we have to play a certain way to do it. Like Kerry have copped on with Clifford. Keep him inside, keep him up there. Don't have him wasting energy, track him back, have him up there and have him to do one job and one job only. Will Tyrone do that? Didn't see that yesterday, let's be honest. They still play at that sort of slow lateral, you know, men behind the ball trying to break and run a game. Didn't get the job done. Will they try and bring something different? Let's wait and see. I'll also look back with a, a regret at a very badly missed goal chance at one nine to nine. I think Darren McCurry fluffed his lines. I could have almost put the game to bed potentially, and then go down the other end. Ross Common hit two goals in, in quick succession. Michael, we might have a quick look at Division Two. Big result for Colin O'Rourke yesterday. Like it, Cork and Mead going into that game, I think Cork were the ones being tipped as potentially having a, a good campaign, potentially you know vying for a Division One promotion. They could still do that, but to be hit with all those goals and. You know, that's a damaging defeat. But for me, what a start to Colin O'Rourke's reign. Yeah, brilliant start. Um, I saw them in the O'Byrne Cup against Leash and uh, I wasn't exactly blown away. But when you look at the start of 15 and you see Killian O'Sullivan, Shane Walsh and Jordan Morris, just three of the six forwards. And, you know, they did a lot of the damage yesterday. Um, I was looking at O'Rourke at that O'Byrne Cup game and he was... He just kept saying to them, go forward, go forward, go forward. It was all about the attacking kind of piece. And they defended quite well. They conceded 19 points, obviously. Imagine to say Stephen Sherlock kicked 14 points and it still ended up on the, the wrong side. But, you know, going down to Cork in your first game as Mead boss, you'd have to say to O'Rourke could be absolutely delighted with that. And just on that as well, like big wins over the weekend. Callum Collins again, you know, in his 10th season as Clare manager. We kind of just tend to think... Oh, they'll eventually get relegated. David Tuberty's retired. Uh, we thought the same when Gary Brennan retired that they'd just dip off the face of you know Division Two or disappear or whatever. But they eked out a really good win yesterday against Loud. Uh, Jamie Malone kicked the winner as he did last year. I think when they beat Roscommon in the in the qualifiers. Um, yeah, so big win, big wins all around there from O'Rourke's point of view. Stepping out of the punditry studio and stepping onto the sideline is a brave decision. Um, again, the, I live in Mead here. There wouldn't be a huge, uh, huge amount of optimism of where the senior footballers are going to go. But uh, that's a fantastic result to start off with. Just on the Clare Louds game, like for for Loud to score a goal, I think in the sixty seven or sixty eight minute to go three points up, and then Clare to kick four scores in a row. I feel like whenever you read a match report from a Clare winning the league, it's always achieved in that kind of circumstances yeah, with yeah. a late flurry of scores or or some sort of late drama. But as you said, like Colin Collins, like Clare, the great survivors in Division Two, and obviously with the the kind of the Talton Cup and Sam Maguire uh, series later in the year, it becomes very uh, important, obviously, to stay in that second division. Dick, Just on that, Will, uh, Conor McKeown in his report this morning described Colin Collins after as a Buddha-like figure. Uh, <laughs> basically, nobody thought that they could do it, and he was just, it was just yet another kind of feather in his cap, another brilliant win for them. 
Yeah, exactly. And it was kind of the, the, almost the worst possible time for those two teams to play in a sense because now it's a long way back for Louth potentially to, to stay in Division 2, but still a, a lot of games to play there. Dick, before we let you go, obviously you, you touched on your own county at the start of the show. They came up short against Armagh. You know, overall, like I think they're away to Kerry next weekend, if I'm not mistaken. You know, would you be worried about them staying in Division 1? I would. Like, I'm not going to be patronizing here like we have to call as we see it and and people are realistic in Monaghan at the minute like you're we're probably going gonna go in go into a bit of a transition um and there's a horrible word that, that every county hates to hear but there is a bit of a, a slow changing of the guard that's probably been going on since really since 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 I finished up in my generation so every year there's been two or three of of that experienced players that 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 had those also final successes and that back so like you lost this year, you drew Wiley, Colin Walsh moved on. You know, probably the last roll of the dice for 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 Manzi and, and the likes of Darren Hughes this year, Carl O'Connell. So it's trying to get a wee bit out of them. So, and you know, we always try to get the best resources that we can. And I suppose really what we want to do is compete as number one, and to try and get enough points to 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 be within a shout on the last day. Um, I think they will get wins. I think the problem is this year in Division One. And I've seen this over the years when you don't have a a, a team that is probably going to get no points, and hopefully Monaghan's not that. It means that you need more points to be guaranteed to stay up. Sometimes four points keeps you up. I think you're going to probably need possibly five, even six points to keep up um, this year because everyone's probably going to beat everybody. Everyone's going to be picking up points. There's going to be no standout team in the top of the bottom. It's going to be a big ass now from on in to get that. But listen, let's see how the next six games go. We're just sort of keen to sort of get new players in, give them game time, you know, get them cut their teeth at Division 1. It's no better place. You know, if you can compete at Division 1, you're always in good enough shape come the summertime. But listen, we're, expectations are managed here in Monaghan. Just, not just in terms of the change of the guard, but like even Jack McCarron going off in the first minute. Like we lost the game by two points. He's easily a three, four point player in terms of, of what he brings to Monaghan. And, and we were missing him and, and Conor McManus. So, you know, we have to be realistic as well. So it was disappointing home game against Armagh. You had a fancy getting something out of it. We didn't go down to Kerry. Um, tough ass. It'd been better if Kerry had won last weekend because Monaghan actually have a very good record uh, winning in Kerry, probably better than most counties. Um, but listen, let's see. Armagh, a bit disappointed with them. They were strong. They had a strong 15 out. I thought... God, these boys should really be putting on in the way. Not not easily, especially after the second half start that they got and they didn't. Um so whether they can step on from last year remains to be seen. But they'll be listen, they obviously they'll be delighted with the two points. So it's gonna be t- gonna be a tough league one for Monaghan. So let's see where it goes. But um, you know, it was probably a case of a point at least left behind because if they had got anything, it would have been good to get off the mark. Great stuff, Dick. Thanks so much for joining us. You can go off and rewatch Roy McElroy's great victory now. Thanks. <laughs> watch the watch the presentation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dick. All right, lads. Talk to you. See you. We are delighted to be joined by Vincent Hogan for our hurling league preview. And Vincent, over the last number of years, the hurling league has meant different things to different teams. Certainly, in the era of the round robin and the provincial championships, certain teams have treated it more as maybe a preparation for that rather than outright going for it. Like, do you think there will be many counties who are targeting league silverware or do you expect most of them, especially ones with maybe new managers, to be more focused on betting in systems, tactics, trying out new players? Well, I think you've touched on it there, Will, that the the number of new managers makes this a fascinating league in many ways. I, I think the idea of going for silverware, that only kicks in if they're getting to the last round of games, maybe, and they have a chance of making the league final. But um 
I think we have five major counties with new managers here, three of them in 1B. And I certainly think Derek Ling or, you know, Liam Cahill or Michal Dunhu will see opportunity in that group. It's definitely the easier of the two groups. And Derek taking over from Brian Cody. Brian Cody won the league 10 times, I think. In six of those years, he won the league. He also won the All-Ireland. So in Kilkenny, there is definitely, a, has always been a view that there is no harm to be had in a successful league. I think Liam Cahill going into tip really will need to get a bounce early. You know, they, they, they faded badly in the Munster League final against Cork when they looked to be in total control. So he will definitely be looking for a little bit of energy in, in that group. And, and, and the, the way you get energy, Will, is winning games. And I, and I think that's what makes this league interesting. Who knows who will be there in the league final? But definitely there will be five new managers in there looking to get an early bounce. Michael, like of all those new managers and like Vincent said, marquee counties, a lot of them as well. Like which manager are you kind of most interested to see what they do with the team? Uh, it's a difficult one because it's so you're looking at probably at different things from different counties. I think just the absence of Brian Corey from the sidelines this year is going to be fascinating. It's the first year since was it? He was he was appointed in autumn of nineteen ninety eight. The world has changed an awful lot since then, and he's not going to be on the sideline this year. Didn't be. Uh, there's a lot of new faces involved with Kilkenny. I think from Derek Ling's point of view, it's going to be interesting to see. Now, people would have said that you know maybe that Brian Cody didn't adapt to modern day tactics, maybe as much as some other managers. I'm like I'm not so sure about that, but it will be interesting to see. You know, is Owen Murphy given more freedom with regards to, you know, his puckouts to be more creative, whereas they were maybe a bit more, um, you know, they've followed maybe traditional lines, shall we say, in recent years. Uh, what's Richie Hogan's part? What, how did he bed TJ Reid back in? And even missing Mikey Carey, uh, missing Connor Brown. Um, how many of his own All-Ireland under-20 winners from last year are going to come in? Billy Drennan's already made a good play in the Walsh Cup as well. So Derek Ling would definitely be one I think I think is fascinating. And I do think I'd agree with Vincent from a league point of view. I think it's a blessing in disguise to be in 1B. You look at Westmead in, in 1A. Um, Offaly were there last year. Westmead were there the year before. It's so cutthroat. Um, like, how does Joe Fortune go about trying to bed in players when you're playing the likes of Limerick, the likes of Clare, the likes of Cork every week. Whereas I think in 1B, you have a bit more latitude and a bit more rope to work with. Um, so Derek Ling is probably the one I'm, I'm looking forward to most, but it's a close second, third, fourth and fifth with all the other lads that are coming in as well. And that's what's so interesting about this year. I don't know if there's ever been a hurling year with as many you know big personalities involved in the line. Um, and outside of Limerick, who came back to the pack last year a bit, there's a lot of counties will think they have realistic chances going into this year too. Yeah, Vincent Sanka Kenny, like it's always fascinating when like a legendary manager who's been there for a long time steps away and you know we'll see what the future holds. Like in some ways, like they got to the final last year. There are a lot of good young players, as Michael touched on. But when a big personality steps away, like on Alex Ferguson at Manchester United, like there can be struggles. Like, do you, what do you expect to see from Kenny? Do you think there will be? a lull or do you think there's enough young players there and, and that new manager bounce or new ideas to kind of keep them competing in that like semi-final final level that Brian Cody had them the last couple of years? Yeah, I, I think Michael alluded to the fact that in the last couple of years under Brian Cody, there was a change. There was certainly kind of um, a move away from this idea that everyone had to be self-sufficient and you drive the ball long. I, I think they were much more 
modern thinking in the last couple of years under Brian Cody. And it's it's amazing to think, like, you know, he slipped away quietly when we least expected it. I think they, they won the last three Leinster Championships. They were beaten by two points by Limerick in the All-Ireland final. They gave it a hell of a crack. We saw what they did to Clare in the semi-final. So Kilkenny are in good shape. And I, I very much doubt that Derek Ling will have it in his head to change that much. Derek was in charge of the All-Ireland Under-20 win- winning team. He knows the talent that's coming through. But he'll also feel that, you know, Michael mentioned TJ there. TJ is, what, 35 now? Um, he's still this generational talent who we saw what Ballyhale did with him. Um, it's how you manage someone like TJ. Richie Hogan is going again. Um, I, I think Kilkenny will stick to what they've found successful under Brian Cody with a few little tweaks. Um, but Derek Ling won't be won't be trying to change anything dramatically. Yeah, I think Brian Cody was at the football final weekend when he uh, announced his retirement. Yeah, talk about uh, making a, an exit. Vince, uh, we always like to get your Tipperary hurling perspective. And obviously, as you mentioned, Liam Cahill kind of returning home. He won underage success there. Um, what are you expecting from him? Like the Colin Bonner year was very fractured. Obviously, there was a kind of a... I don't know how well it was handled when he when he departed. Like it, it seems like he's coming in at quite a low ebb for Tipperary. Is he the man to kind of bring it back up again? I think he probably is. Well, you know, let's be under no illusions. The way Tip handled it wasn't particularly good. Um, I think Colin Bonner faced a really difficult year last year when you think of the people that were missing, real major players. You know, you lost John McGrath, for example, to that Achilles tendon one against Clare. And there was... So much, such a drain of senior people out of that dressing room. The problem for Cullum was, I think, the way their championship finished, and that was against Cork and Turles, where I think I'm right in saying they went one three to no score up. They were absolutely flying, and they lost that game by twelve. So you're looking at something like an eighteen points turnaround. So there was a an atmosphere of flatness around Tip at the end of the championship. Now Liam coming in, you know, whatever about the circumstances of him coming in. There's nobody better qualified to come into that dressing room and put new energy and new life into them. And I think new pace. That's one thing that this tip team needs is pace. And obviously, he knows them back to front, the, the under-20 All-Ireland winning team, the under-21 All-Ireland winning team, minors before that. Um, I think you'll see a little bit of a harder edge to tip. He'll be very, very unhappy with the way they faded out in the Munster League final because that's something that has been in tip recently and let's be honest since winning the 2019 All-Ireland Tip have really achieved nothing they haven't been in Croke Park since I think Liam Cahill is the man to to put certainly new energy in Tip I was at their Munster League match against Waterford in Mallow conditions were too bad to read anything into it but I saw signs in the Nina game against Clare um, that they were they were playing a lot of decent hurling running off the shoulder creating openings creating goal opportunities Seamus Kennedy going into the half-forward line has given them a little bit of physicality. I think that may be a long-term plan. Uh, Michael Breen at full-back, I'm not sure about that. I think Ronan Marr, to me, is likely to come back and fill that position. The other thing you can't re- for, for, forget, Will, is the Dylan Quirk factor, that there's, a, there's a, going to be a really strong, deep sense of emotion in that dressing room to, to honour Dylan Quirk this year. I, I absolutely believe that fervently. And uh, there'll be an energy in tip this year that's going to make them very, very interesting. 
Yeah, in week two, they go down to Nolan Park to face Kilkenny, which is going to be an absolute cracker. As we mentioned, two new managers, both wanting to get a win against their biggest rivals. Michael, like, what do you make of some of Vincent's points there, you know, with regards to what Liam Cal has to work with, what he might hope to achieve over the next couple of weeks? It, you know, it might be important to get a couple of wins under the belt. As Vincent said, it didn't finish well last year, so to get some early confidence ahead of talking about cutthroat that Munster around Robin. Yeah, I watched uh, I watched a bit of Tipperary in preseason as well, and it's funny. Sometimes you can't see a manager's print on a team immediately, and I thought Tipperary were the opposite of that. I thought you could see the the print immediately. You could see the pace in the team, the mobility and athleticism that he was picking, the running off the shoulder, uh, very similar to um, what he did with Watford, and he got a massive bounce with Watford straight away. Watford were in uh, Munster and All-Ireland Finals in his first year and got all the way back to a semi-final and then won a league and obviously petered out last year, unfortunately. But uh, I think he'll bring a lot to it. Now, they are standing, they are starting behind the eight ball somewhat, uh, as Vince, Vince mentioned there. You know, Unfortunately, Dylan Quirk is, is, is not going to be, uh, not going to feature. And that's, that is, there's a, a, there's a driving factor there, I would imagine, uh, for that. As Vincent said, they, you know, they will what really want to honor him and honor his memory. They're also going to be starting without Barry Heffernan, it looks like, who's probably going to miss league and championship or thereabouts. Craig Morgan, something similar. So there's that prospect of starting without three defense, starting defenders from last year's championship, which is going to be difficult. Michael Breen potentially going back to full back, uh, maybe might kind of fill one of those slots. But uh, I've liked what I've seen so far, and Liam Cattle knows these players inside out. He won All Ireland minors, he won uh, under twenty, under twenty one All Irelands, um, and it's going to be fascinating to see how he uses the likes of an Old McGrath, the likes of a Seamus Callanan. Um, within this setup, how he uses that experience, uh, kind of blended with the youth, kind of something similar maybe to to what Kevin McStay is doing in Mayo. Um, and it's going to be it's like the project going forward is going to be built on a lot of the younger players. But how he uses the experience of those players that I mentioned there this year, and if they're still around next year, will be fascinating too. Because it's all grand saying we'll go with youth and whatever, but. You do need that experience. You need to be able to call on it. And whether they're impact subs or not is going to be fascinating because in the forward line, you probably have the two McGraths, Seamus Cannon and Jason Ford. Now, I don't envisage a scenario where all four would start because I don't think it suits the balance of the team. You might have potentially two to three starting. But how he uses the, the experience off the bench, I think, will be key. Waterford is another fascinating one, Vincent. Obviously, Dave Fitzgerald going back in. It's not always successful when a manager goes back to a, a team he's managed before. Like, what do you expect to see from Davey and Waterford? Like, it's a long time since he was there. He's obviously been managing, you know, up to very recently. But it is an interesting reunion. I don't think many people had kind of predicted that. No, and I think maybe Davey feels he has unfinished business with Waterford. He did get them to an All Ireland final. They did win the Munster Championship in two thousand and ten. And let's be honest, Waterford would love to win a Munster Championship again. I think it probably is good for both sides. I think. You know, looking back at the way Waterford were last year and, you know, the league semi-final performance, the league final performance, they were absolutely on fire. And you're kind of thinking these are going to be right in there. And that probably they were they were kind of looked at as Limerick's biggest challenger. And they were just flat as a pancake in the championship. And, you know, when they lost that game against Cork in, in, in Walsh Park, they were they were essentially out of the championship. And we saw what happened when they went to Ennis. It was just... They downed tools, and and I think that was the moment where Liam Cahill and Mikey Beavens probably said, "Look, we've lost this dressing room." Um, 
what happened in between? I mean, that, that, that those two weeks between the league final and the, the, the opening game in Munster against Tip, anecdotally, people say maybe they overtrained. Maybe there was just they they were pushing too hard to keep going when those players needed a break. I think there's probably, in my view, there's still a kind of a two-year window for that dressing room of the key players to actually do something spectacular. Um, and bear in mind, look, Waterford have only won four league titles. So that there's no one should undervalue that league title. But they got it wrong then, the segue from league to championship. I think Davey has a history of bringing a quick fix, if you like, bringing a new energy. And I think a lot of those senior players will, will welcome his arrival. Um, but, you know, there's, there's no doubt that Waterford... If they're going to be a Munster Championship winning team or an All-Ireland winning team, it's got to be now. Um, because the Tig de Borkas, they're not getting any younger. I think Davey will push hard. I was at the game down in Mallow, like I said. They brought on this fellow, Paddy Fitzgerald, from, I think, Kilrossenty. Um, he came on in these horrible conditions, a youngish fella. And he scores two points in the five minutes he was on. He nearly got sent off as well. So he was a bit old as well, which... You know, it's no harm to seeing a young lad coming on. They also have Patrick Fitzgerald from Bally Gunner, who looks like he could be anything. So it's going to be that mix of the established fellas, Ozzy Gleeson, you know, where do you play Ozzy? But a lot of special talent coming through in Waterford as well. I think they'll be very, very interesting to watch under Davy. Just on Vincent's point there, Will, like the talent is definitely there. Like Austin Gleeson, uh, Jamie Barron, Caleb Lyons, Stephen Bennett nominated for Hurler Deer a couple of years ago, Tyg de Borca, mix that in with Patrick Fitzgerald. And like they've, they've got serious talent. It's just a matter of uh, kind of welding that together. And like as, as uh, Vinny says there, Davy got a hop immediately in Wexford, he got a hop immediately in Clare. And I'm sure he'll be trying to do something similar in Waterford. I've no doubt the talent is still there. Based on talent alone, I would probably still see them as the second best team in the country. It's just a matter of pulling that all together. And it's going to be fascinating to see if he can do that. Yeah, and if you look at the other kind of teams that have been taken over by new managers, like Waterford, it was only really a blip in, in the championship. Like the last three years under Liam Cahill, when he was there, they were very consistently up at the top table. Like, And they did beat Tipperary. They only narrowly lost to Limerick. The court game was where it got away from them because I know they were very poor against Clare, but by then they were halfway out of the championship. So it was only really kind of a game and a half, really, where the wheels kind of came off. So from a, kind of the base he's, he has to work with, perhaps you could say it's, it's, it's higher than some of these other managers. Vincent, we haven't even touched on Limerick yet, which is, is funny considering they're going for a four in a row, obviously, in the All-Ireland. But they've definitely treated the league as kind of a tune-up the last couple of years. But do, does the season ending inter-county so much earlier than, than usual, make this a slightly different league for Limerick? Would they, do you think they might play a stronger team more often? Will they be maybe going for it a little more than maybe they would in the previous years where the, the season stretched longer and they might have wanted to rest some guys? Like someone like Keane Lynch obviously didn't play much hurling. Like, you know, what, what way do you think they'll approach it? Well, I think there's no doubt about it. Limerick have one plan and one plan only, and that's to make it four in a row this year. And, you know, I keep saying, you, you, you look back at what happened in 2019 where Kilkenny took them out. With, with you know, just got 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 out of the blocks very quickly, and were way ahead after twenty minutes, and then Limerick came back and should have had a sixty-five in the end. Um, Limerick last year, it was very clear that the championship was their only interest, and and they ended up their their only league victory last year. I think I'm right in saying was against Offaly, 
um, to avoid a relegation playoff. They were just focusing on championship. And like four weeks later, they went out against Cork in the championship and they, and they drilled them by 11 points. So John Kiley, Paul Kinnerk will have one plan and one plan only, and that's Munster and All-Ireland. So I don't think they'll be showing too much of their hand in the league. They will want to make sure that everyone is fresh and they'll, they'll want to win a few games. Keane Lynch will be betting back in. Peter Casey should be flying this time. Uh, I don't know what the plans for Dermot Burns, who's in Dubai at the moment. Mick, do you know that? Is, is he due back at any given time? Back in back uh, around the third game of the league, I think. But again, I think that'll tell you, like he was around before Christmas, that'll tell you where their kind of priorities lay. And I definitely would agree with Vinny. They, like, last year, they, they'll tell you they didn't do it purposely, but they definitely did time it to perfection and were almost able to flick that switch come championship. And I'm sure they'll be trying to do something similar this year. Again, given the likes of Colin Coughlin, uh, Cahill O'Neill getting them more league time likes of Shane O'Brien from Kilmallock getting Keane Lynch onto the field I think it's just a matter of being able to make sure like look at you know throughout their league last year they were able to develop someone like Conor Boylan to come on in an All-Ireland final to do what he did and score an unbelievable point and I think that's what the league will be again getting game time into those guys making sure that like you have to go so deep into your reserves during the round robin it's so taxing on the body Guys will just, you know, Keane Lynch goes out, someone else just has to be ready to come in and then someone else has to be ready to probably to close out the game. So I think it's all about identifying uh, identifying a couple of more players and in the likes of those names I've mentioned there and even Aidan O'Connor as well who was with the under-20s last year, there's no shortage of talent coming through in Limerick and uh, it's all, it's kind of all primed towards Munster and All-Ireland realistically again. Yeah, Cork, Clare and Galway are the first three games, so they do start with a, a, a tough run of fixtures, but as we said, probably focusing on, on later on in the year. Vince, what about, what, what about Galway? Obviously, Henry Shefflin's first year, it was so much interesting to see how he would do in the inter-county arena. Almost beat Limerick in that semi-final as well. Um, you know, going into this league campaign, what do you think he'll be trying to get out of it? I think that semi-final against Limerick will have filled Henry with confidence that there's a lot more coming from this group um you could see his anger um after the leinster final that they just didn't turn up and it was the same old galway you're kind of thinking jesus you never know what you're going to get from them and they they just seemed very flat and losing that leinster final and you know you can go on about the handshakes and everything and that was a kind of a side issue but i think henry was so frustrated with what he got from the team that day semi-final against limerick there was an edge to them. Was it Brian Concanon got that goal just after half time? And you just thought, by God, they're on it here. And Limerick were pushed to the pin of their collar to, to beat them. So I think Henry, I think he's been looking at a lot of players. There, there's, there's no stone left unturned in Galway to see what talent is there. And I, I think they'll be, they'll be a, a team to be reckoned with in this league. But they're in that 1A group. And, and it's, it's hard to know what Henry's priorities will be in that group because, you know, you're just up against the big guns all the time. I think it'd be a bit of shadow boxing in that group, to be honest. Um, just a, a determination to get out the far side of the league and be prepared for the, the round robin in Leinster. Yeah, and they face Wexford uh, in the first game, who they obviously will be playing later in the year as well. So maybe even more shadow boxing than if they were playing uh, a Munster team, perhaps. Michael, another, you know, we have, you know Pat Ryan in Cork. We've Michal Dunhill in Dublin. Two very interesting appointments as well. Like, what's kind of interesting to you about those two projects? Uh, Michal Dunhill, um, that was hugely exciting when he was named as Dublin manager. 
But I like I don't know if what he stepped into is what he expected to step into, shall we say. Like Liam Rush has already stepped aside for the year, Chris Crummy is gone for the year, Keno Callahan, uh Mark Shute, Reen McBride, and I think there's a couple more names as well. So there's a like he's minus a lot of big hitters already. Uh, and my one worry with Dublin is just even having seen him in the last couple of years and even seen him in the Walsh Cup is a lot of the same type of players, shall we say, even the same types of physiques. Like you need a great variety, particularly in your forward line. You need, you know, a six foot two, six foot three guy with a hand at half forward. You maybe need a, you know, a nippy guy inside, maybe allied with a, you know, a, more of a powerful player at the edge of the square. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Dublin have, you know, all those, that type of variety available to them, but they have. With great assistance on the sideline anyway. They've basically an All-Ireland winning management team in uh, Michal Donoghue and Francis Ford and Noel Arkin who were with him in Galway in 2017 all with him again making the trip up to the capital. So it's going to be fascinating to see what they bring. I'm just not sure what he expe- what he stepped into is what he expected to step into personnel-wise. He's down the guts of 10 and from Pat Ryan's point of view uh, Pat Ryan was probably the the most logical, uh, the most logical uh, person to fill the the breach left by by Kieran Kingston. He's, I think, I think Markeen was the only player in the squad that he hadn't worked with, and Markeen has obviously since gone back to the AFL. So his fingerprints are all over those lads from being involved uh, as coach under Kieran Kingston before, and also been involved uh, with the Cork under twenties, and you know probably outside of Limerick and Watford, who I mentioned, talent-wise, like they have huge talent. The big thing with me with Cork is, what's the spine of their defence going to be and how difficult are they going to make themselves to, to be beaten back there, shall we say? How easy or difficult is it going to be to breach their defence? Because in recent years, teams have just slalomed through their defence at different times. And I'm thinking back to the, the 2021 All-Ireland final when Limerick just waltzed through them at different stages. And uh, I hope to see that kind of toughness from them in defence but it remains to be seen um, it remains to be seen who's going to be playing three and six and whether they really steal themselves up if they can like we saw in 2019 even Limerick's first game as All-Ireland Champions uh, in Munster they uh, Cork really put it up to them really got physical with them and beat them down the Gaelic grounds and I don't think Vincent you were the same I thought Cork were going to win the All-Ireland in 2019 uh, after all that and I'm just I'm kind of nearly a bit of a Doubting Thomas now with Cork I'm nearly going to have you're going to have to see it before I believe it but the, the talent is, is definitely there Well it's started to be a fascinating couple of weeks in the Hurling League I'd like to thank Vincent and Michael for joining me today and Dick Clerken for joining us on the football portion of the show earlier we'll be back next week with another throw-in podcast looking back on the first round of the Hurling League and all the latest football action in the meantime, you can subscribe to the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye. This is an Irish independent podcast.